Well, today is the last message in this series called, Jesus Said What? In the first message, I'm going to rehearse because some of you haven't been here for all of them. Let me rehearse for you where we've been so far in this series as we put these on the screen. In the first message, a woman came to Jesus with a demon-possessed daughter and, and asked Jesus to heal her daughter. And Jesus said something stunning. He said something shocking. He said something that sometimes we wish he had not said. Jesus said to her, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. We learned in that message that great faith continues to believe when it would be easy to stop. In this second message, we read this passage, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And in that message, here's what we learned. We must love God above every other earthly relationship. Then in the third message, Chris actually preached that message. Jesus said in John 7 or Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We learned that day that not everyone who knows the language knows the Lord, that our faith must be lived out if it's to be real. And then last Sunday was perhaps one of the most shocking things of all that Jesus said. Last Sunday, Jesus said, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet thrown into eternal fire. We learned last week that whatever is causing you to stumble into sin must be removed from your life decisively. It must be removed from your life permanently. And so we've been looking at these messages, these statements that the Lord made. Some of them we wish he had never said. Some of them we have a hard time understanding what he said and why he said it. And if you've missed any of those messages, just go to mountairybaptist.com and you can watch those. They're always up there, so you go back and, or maybe encourage somebody else to watch one of the messages. Uh, we'd appreciate you using that. Now, today we're going to look at some of the most disturbing and profound words that Jesus ever spoke. I mean, I mean, these words that he spoke are very disturbing. These words that he spoke at the same time are very deep. They are very profound. And it's going to take us a while to work through what he said. But let me just put it up on the screen and you'll see how disturbing this is. John 6, here's what he said. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, when you read that, it makes you go, say it with me. Jesus said, what? Come on, you can do better than that over the life center. I bet you did better than these folks did. We're going to try it again. When you read this where Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. When I read that, it makes me want to say, Jesus said, what? You did real good that time. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Now, I think this is providential that the the day that we're talking about this passage of Scripture, the blood mobile is outside. <laughs> we didn't plan it that way, but it's pretty cool that 
It's out there. After the service, we're going to line you up and we're going to practice what we preach today. Well, what in the world did he mean when he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life? Well, to really understand these disturbing verses, you need to go, you need to know the back story. So open your Bibles to John chapter 6, and we're going to go back to verse 1 just to get the back story. We're going to work our way through chapter 6 until we can come back to that disturbing text we just read a moment ago. Chapter 6, verse 1 through 15, we're not going to read that passage, but in this passage of Scripture, chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, Jesus feeds the 5,000, and there was probably more than that because there were women and children there. Only the men were counted, so he likely fed maybe ten or 15,000 people easily, ten or 15,000 people. And when we come to the end of that passage in verse 15, here's what we read. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. He got away from the crowd. He got away from those who wanted to make him king. And he was kind of hiding from them. He was getting away from them. And so when we go down, skip down to verse 25, the crowd comes looking for Jesus. They're trying to find him again. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now, I just want you, before we go any further, I want you to notice the contrast in verse 27. In verse 27, he's contrasting food that spoils and food that endures to eternal life. That's significant to the entire chapter. Food that spoils, natural food, And food that endures to eternal life. And so that leads to a question. Verse 28. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? What should we do to satisfy God? That's what they were asking that day. And people have been asking that for centuries. And the religions of the world are man's attempt to answer that question. All the religions of the world are just simply man's attempt to answer that question. What must we do to satisfy God? What must we do to be right with God? The religions of the world are man's attempt to answer that question. Now I want you to notice in verse 29, get ready to mark something. Verse 29, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Would you underline or perhaps highlight that in your Bible? The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus said we don't satisfy God by what we do. We satisfy God by believing in what he has done. Here's what satisfies God. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now, we just working our way through the text. I want you to notice in verse 30, this becomes very, very important. So I hope that you're listening and focusing on verse 30 and 31. So they ask him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Okay, if you say that we need to believe the one that he has sent, verse 29, if that's what you're saying, 
that in order to please God, we have to believe the one that he has sent. Then they ask this question. Okay, what miraculous sign will you give us so that we can believe you? What will you do? Verse 30. And then they say, they go back to the Old Testament, verse 31. Our forefathers ate manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now there's some Old Testament background here. They said, okay, so so what miraculous sign will you give us so that we can believe you? And then they brought this up. They said, back in the Old Testament days, and if you want to put this in your column of your Bible, it's Exodus 16. Back in the Old Testament days, Moses gave us manna to eat, or gave our ancestors manna to eat. This was the bread that came from heaven. Back in the Old Testament days, Moses gave us manna to eat. Now, the Jewish rabbis taught that when the Messiah would come, that he would duplicate the miracle of the manna. That's why they were asking this question. The Jewish disciple or Jewish rabbis used to teach that one of the ways that you know Messiah has come is that he will duplicate the miracle of the manna. And so they were saying to Jesus, if you really are sent by God, then prove it by causing manna to come down from heaven. I mean, Jesus, we know that you fed us once, you know, feeding of the 5,000. We know that you fed us once. But listen, Moses fed his people every day for 40 years. So if you are who you say you are, do what he did. Cause manna to come down from heaven. Prove to us you are who you say you are. And Jesus very wisely moves this discussion to something and to someone much more important than manna. Look at verse 32. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. First, he says, first of all, first of all, time out, time out. First of all, Moses didn't give the manna. He's correcting them. He said, first of all, that didn't come from Moses. That came from the Father in heaven. Moses didn't give that. So Jesus is correcting them in this text. I tell you the truth, it was not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread. From heaven. Now notice he refers not just to bread, he's referring to the true bread. It's, it's a contrast from the manna. So follow closely. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus was saying something very, very significant here. He was saying the true bread that comes from heaven is no longer manna. The true bread that comes from heaven is now a man. Yes, once God, God once gave manna from heaven to meet your needs. But now he is not going to send more manna. Now he has sent a man, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's right there in the text. Look at it with me. Verse 32 again, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread that he, for the, try again. For the bread of God, for the bread of God is, what's that next word? The bread of God is he. It's not a man, it's not manna, it's a man. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I like the Living Bible translation that says, 
Moses didn't give it to them. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread is a person, the one sent by God from heaven, and he gives life to the world. You may want to underline that part, that he gives life to the world. Uh, This is an important statement as well, because ladies and gentlemen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is global. And here's what I mean by that. The one that comes from heaven, the bread that comes from heaven, can satisfy every thirsty and hungry soul in the world. Here's what he's saying. For the bread, verse, 35, verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And that's the reason that we go. That's the reason we're a missions-minded church. That's the reason that we go out on, on trips all over the United States and all over the world is because Jesus is the one who can give life to the world. Verse 34. They ask a question. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Now, they didn't understand what they are asking for. They, again, are still thinking about literal bread. Give us this bread. And then verse 35, very key verse. You ought to underline it, mark it in your Bible. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. Now, this is the first of seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Seven times Jesus used a miracle or a major Jewish festival as an opportunity to describe himself to the people. Jesus said in this text, I am the bread of life. In another place in John, he said, I am the light of the world. And in another place, he said, I am the door for the sheep. In another place, he said, I am the good shepherd. In another place in John, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And in another place in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in another place, John 15, he says, I am the true vine. Now, why did he keep saying these kind of things? Because that phrase, I am relates back to an Old Testament declaration of God in Exodus 3, where God referred to himself as the great I Am. Jesus, in in John's gospel, is portraying himself to the people as the bread from heaven who is literally God in flesh. I am the bread of life. That's why Jesus could make this bold promise found in verse 35. Look at this bold promise. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Ladies and gentlemen, only God can make a promise like that. We come down to verse 41, just still going through the text. We come down to verse 41. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him. They didn't like what he said. Because he said, they began to grumble, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Verse 42, they said, "Is, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? The Jews were in essence saying, he didn't come from heaven, he came from Bethlehem. We know his mom and dad, for goodness sake. This is Jesus. He, he's the son of Joseph, the son of Mary. He didn't come from Bethlehem, or from heaven. He came from Bethlehem. And so Jesus responds in verse 48. Verse 48, Jesus said again, I am the bread of life. 
Then read carefully verse 49 and following. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am, what kind of bread, church? I am what? The living bread. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will do what? Live forever. This bread, this living bread, this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. The bread of life. And anyone, and that word anyone, you know what that word means? It means anyone. It means you. It means you over in the life center. It means you. It means you up in the balcony. The Bible says anyone, anyone who eats of this bread will live forever. This bread, he goes on to say, is my flesh, which I give for the life of of the world. When he said, This flesh which I give, Jesus was looking forward to the cross. The flesh of Jesus was sacrificed on the cross so that life and salvation could be given to all the world. It's not by accident when we have the Lord's Supper like we're going to have tonight. It's not by accident that we have we have the, the bread that represents his broken body and we have the, the juice that represents his spilled blood. This is our hope, is it not? This is the reason we come here. Jesus said, this is the bread that can give life to the world. Well, you would think that would settle it, but I want you to see what what they said in verse 52. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. Now they're not just grumbling, now they are arguing out loud sharply among themselves. And they're upset, and here's what they say. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And that word, that phrase, this man, in the Greek language is, is very emphatic, and it's a scornful phrase. There's a derogatory tone to it. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So now we come to verse 53 through 56, which is our focal text. All of that that I've said so far is just introduction. But, but hang on, it's not going to take that long for the rest of it. So verse 53, you, I, I think you'll have a better understanding of verse 53 and following now if you'll carefully walk through this with me. Verse 53, let's just read it again. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. And any time Jesus said, I tell you the truth, and I think in the King James it says, verily, verily, or something like that, it's, it's the Lord's way of saying, this is very important, you better listen to this. So can I say to you before I read any more, this is very important. Would you please listen to this? I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is... Israel drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. 
So do you understand what he's saying here? Jesus is simply using, a, uh, using physical terms to express a spiritual truth, and the spiritual truth is this. Intimate relationship with Jesus is possible when we believe in him. That when we believe in him, when we come to him and believe in him, as he said in verse 35, he said, come to me and believe in me. When we do that, we have an intimate relationship with him. An intimate relationship with God himself is when we come to Christ and believe in Christ. An intimate relationship is is made possible just like eating physical food. Think of it this way. I went to the store and I got some good-looking bread last night. Is that not good-looking? You know who's going to be eating this in a little bit, don't you? I mean, this is some great-looking bread. But I want you to think about this bread with me for a moment. This bread looks good, and, and I haven't tasted it, but my guess is it tastes good. And I'm pretty certain that if I were to eat some of it, it would satisfy the hunger that's in my stomach right now. I didn't have breakfast. So I think this bread would satisfy my hunger. I think this bread looks wonderful. But regardless of how good it looks and regardless of how it may benefit me right now, this bread is external to me, external to me. It is outside me. This bread has not affected me whatsoever. This bread has not impacted my life whatsoever. It is outside me. It is only when I take some of it and I eat it, it begins to benefit me. And I took too big of a bite. (laughs) Good thing I brought water. Once, it was outside my life. Now, it's inside my life. Once, there was a day when Jesus was outside of my life. When I was 11 years old, I partook of that bread. I I ate the bread. I drank the blood. Not not literally. But by faith, I took it in. By faith, I claimed what he did on the cross for me. That his body was nailed on the cross for me. That his blood was spilt for my sins. Once, Jesus was outside of my life. But when I was 11 years old, he came inside my life. And I've got to ask you just a very personal question. Is Jesus outside your life or inside your life? You say, Pastor, is that even possible? Listen to what Jesus said in verse 49. Uh, Go back to verse 49. Look what he said. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, which he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Once Jesus was outside my life. Now he's part of my life. That's the way... Salvation works. That is the story of the Bible. 
His life has to become part of our life. And that's why Paul wrote in, in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. You see, it's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough to come to church and talk about Jesus. It's not enough to sing about Jesus. It's not enough to say, I've heard about Jesus. It's not enough to say, I know about all of the things about the gospel. It only becomes part of you when you take it. It goes in you. Jesus made it absolutely clear in verse 53 that unless you partake of that bread... And bring it inside you. Unless you by faith experience it. Unless you by faith eat his flesh and drink his blood. Jesus made it very clear in verse 53 that you are not one of his. Look what he said in verse 53. I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. There are no exceptions. The Living Bible says, With all the earnestness I possess, I tell you this, unless you eat the flesh of the Messiah and drink His blood, you, will, you cannot have eternal life in you. So here's my one point, and we're going to be done. The only way to have eternal life is to let eternal life come in you. And His name is Jesus. Doesn't that make sense? You're mortal, right? You're going to die. We're all mortal men and women. And the only way to have eternal life is to take the eternal bread within us. You see, manna in the Old Testament was merely a picture of Jesus. Bread provided from heaven to meet the needs of God's people. Look at verse 58 and we will close. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. So I come back to a basic question. And it's one you have to wrestle with. And it's one only you can answer. Is Jesus outside your life or inside your life? I want you to bow your heads with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. So, Pastor, how do I get Jesus from the outside of my life to the inside of my life? Jesus actually gives us the answer to that question. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just listen to what he said in verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, you have to come to me, and you have to believe in me. He who comes to me and he who believes in me. Come to me and you'll never be hungry. Believe in me, you'll never be thirsty. I'm asking you today to do that. I'm going to ask you today to come to Jesus. To get up out of your seat here and in the Life Center and come to Jesus. Oh, you're literally walking down front or you're walking to the side. You're walking to a person, absolutely, but... But by that statement of faith, you're coming forward to say, I'm coming to Christ today. And I'm believing in Him. I, I come to Him and I believe in Him. I believe He is the eternal bread of life. And by faith today, I want to partake of that bread. By faith today, I partake of His blood. I believe that His body was nailed on the cross for me. I believe His blood was shed for my sins. And by faith today, 
I receive it into my heart and into my life. Is Jesus on the outside of your life? Or is Jesus on the inside? Father, I pray that today that would be evident by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that someone today, Lord, would say, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life. I place my faith in what you did on the cross for me. And may they experience the eternal bread that can satisfy every soul. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.